The Golden Knights' fast start leads to their victory over the Coyotes, as well as the St. Louis Blues blowing out the Minnesota Wild. All of this right now on the Rippin' Wristers podcast. Alrighty, let's get right into this starting up. But first, we have our guest introduced here, uh, Ben. How you doing? I'm pretty good, Corwin. How about you? Alrighty, we're going to get right into this here. The Golden Knights defeat the Arizona Coyotes 7-4. We were actually at this game. Yes, sir. So we're going to get right here with a little recap of this one. Starting off in the first period... Jonathan Marcheseau opens up the scoring. And he'll feed it to Theodore. And moving around the clock to Marcheseau. Back across the scene to Pacioretty. He had stolen play catch. Theodore takes a look. Pacioretty going back door to Marcheseau and it scores! And the power play round is over. Jonathan Marcheseau upstairs just over three minutes in. Now that was a great power play goal, Ben, don't you think? Yeah, definitely. You watch the replay, you could see the Knights' one-three-one strategy. Uh, I think Theodore had a good setup from the point, got it back to Patch Ready. Patch Ready sort of walked in, great feed over to Marcheseau, who just put it home and won a nothing Vegas. Good power play, and it's it's a good sign for a power play that's been struggling for the last couple of weeks. I mean, the Golden Knights have been struggling on the power play. That's been a very true. That was Marcheseau's 11th of the year, assisted by Pacioretty and Theodore. 303 of the first, a power play goal. That's the big exclamation point there. And then, just a little bit later, William Carrier would do this. Look at a pull free from Goligoski. Easy for Carrier. Reeves on a loose puck. Now Carrier in front, but on goal, he'll make the shot. Now, this goal could have been avoided if you're Aiden Hill and his poor rebound control on the area. Great mind on following his own rebound there, don't you think? Yeah, I think uh, Reeves with a good setup on behind the net, I believe, um, got it right out to Carrier, who put it in front. Hill kind of, um, like you said, unlucky rebound control, maybe one that he would like to have back, maybe one that he'd like to stay a little squared up with, but. That's hockey. Sometimes you get a little bit out of position and it costs you. Um, Carrier just buries that rebound. I remember when we were there in person, we, we saw that. Um, I wasn't sure because we were sitting on the other side of the rink. I wasn't sure if Carrier would be able to bury that one or not. But he does and makes it 2 to nothing Golden Knights early. And they keep applying the pressure. And, you know, obviously less than five minutes in, you're already down 2 to nothing. The Coyotes um, actually called a timeout after this goal because, I mean, you know, two quick ones, you, you don't want to get too far behind, especially this early in the game. Right you are. That was William Carrier's fourth of the year. The assists to Wah and Reeves. Time of the goal, 441 of the first. Then off a turnover, Keegan Kolasar would do this. 8-0 in favor of Vegas in the first seven minutes. And now Labushkin has it behind his own goal. Flushed out on the four check by Kolasar, who took it away. One over! Scores! Great work by Keegan Colasar! 
Now, this one was a bad break here for Ilya Pushkin as he just toe-picks. It looked like it could have been a trip, but when you look at the replay, he's just straight-up toe-picks after the stick-on-stick -stick contact with Kolasar, and it leads to a pretty nice goal. Yeah, he turned it over, unfortunately, right in front of his defensive zone net. Aiden Hill, not much he could do there. A bad break for the Coyotes, but Kolasar gets a lucky one. You know, he's been getting a lot of really, really good opportunities lately, and it's good to see him finally bury one. I know he scored his first NHL goal a few weeks ago against the LA Kings, but it's good to see him get another one. He's rewarded. Obviously, we all know last week he was stopped twice on unbelievable saves by Cam Talbot. It's good to see a young player who's come to the league and has been really impressive finally start to, you know, show some actual promise he's a very talented hockey player and that shot shows it he stays on Labushkin good and un unlucky for the Coyotes but hockey is hockey and it's quickly a three to nothing hockey game right you are and that goal was Kolasar's second of the season it was unassisted as it was off of a turnover the time of the goal was 659 of the first then the Golden Knights are on the penalty kill and Riley Smith does this shorthanded. Come to penalty 825 on the first period. Arizona looking to stem the tide here a little bit. Rich Jock and Beckman Larson blocked that left off by Carlson. And look out. Smith and Carlson break up by shorthanded. Smith and Carlson back to Smith and it's gone. The Golden Knights have two shorthanded goals this season. Now, this shorthanded break literally cannot happen if it's not for that shot block in front of the net. Yeah, and um, the Coyotes trying to set up their 1-3-1 power play. Ekman Larson takes a shot from the point. It's blocked in front by Carlson, and it's turned over the other way. Smith does a good job of carrying it through the neutral zone, and Carlson does a great job of catching up. And I think the IQ of William Carlson really is on display in this exact play, you know, he, he blocks a shot that, you know, this play happens because of William Carlson. He blocks the shot, gets back up quickly and sprints the other way. He's all the way down the ice. Smith passes to him. Hill, you know, is reaching across the other, other side. I say that William Carlson would have scored that if he would have shot just to be sure. Gives it back to Smith who buries it in the net for an awesome, awesome passing play. This is one of the best passing plays I've seen in person ever. And I think that William Carl it doesn't happen without William Carlson. William Carlson set up that play. He, uh, shorthanded goal, kind of a bad break because, I mean, obviously, uh, I don't think Ekman Larson did anything wrong. He took a big one-timer, and unfortunately, sometimes stuff just happens. You all know what this goal kind of reminded me of? What's that? Remember? One, but this one was scored by William Carlson overtime against St. Louis in an, another odd man rush situation. Yes, I do remember that. Um, that was a uh, that was an awesome time. That was William Carlson's first goal as a Golden Knight. Um, you know, I think William Carlson has has really sh shown that he can perform an elite level. I think tonight was. Because of that, you know, this game doesn't finish 7-4, to four, if not for William Carlson, at least not in my opinion. 
and the Golden Knights would never be the same without him. So definitely a key contributor, and it shows in that exact play. He sets up that play. He blocks that shot. He, you know, he, he sprints down the ice. He's able to bury. He's able to get the puck, get it back to Smith in time. All around excellent play by the Golden Knights. All around excellent work. Yep, that one was a great pass. That is the second shorthanded goal this year by the Knights. Riley Smith scored the other one, too. That was his eighth of the season in this game, assisted by William Carlson, the lone assist. That would be the last goal of the first period, as at the beginning of the third period at 4-10, Chandler Stevenson would increase the lead to five. All smart play by Stevenson recognizes the defenseman without a stick. Helps him out, and then a good play. Utilizes hand to get that out of the zone. Stone, a quick up to Stevenson, has a lane to the net, on the forehand, and it scores! Chandler Stevenson ends a 13-game drought, and the Golden Knights are up by five. Now, this is a goal we actually did get to see from our side of the rink. Yeah, and... Um... It was weird because Stevenson broke his stick earlier in the play, um, and so did McNabb. So you had two Golden Knights out there without sticks. It was a very freakish play. Stevenson rushed to the bench, grabbed a new stick, and uh, by that point, the Knights had had it in the defensive zone. Mark Stone, who really proven that he's one of the best wingers in the league, with an awesome pass up the boards to Stevenson, who gets on a break, and he does a really good job of opening up Hill, opening up the five-hole, just slides at five hole. It trickled in. Yep. That was Stevenson's eighth of the year. The assist to, of course, Stone and Braden McNabb. That made it 5 nothing. Time of the goal, 4-10 of the second. However, in the final minute of the second period, the shutout would end as Nick Schmaltz gets the Yotes on the board. Goes in behind the net, pinching his chicken. Works it down low and around. Garland now. Back out high, Galagoski. Now Alex Galagoski with it. Under a minute to go in the period. Schmaltz shoots, he scores. Nick Schmaltz through a screen. And the Coyotes have broken the shutout. Looking at this goal scored by the Coyotes, it looked like from the TV camera angles that Leonard didn't see the puck at all. Yeah, and a good a good play by Schmaltz. I'll give credit where credit is due, though I am a Golden Knights fan. Showing flashes of Arizona homegrown boy Austin Matthews with the toe drag shot. It just goes upstairs in the final minute of the second period. Uh, Yotes get a good power play goal. All of a sudden, it's 5-1. to one. Schmaltz with a really, really nice goal. That was, that's got to be one of the best goals I've ever seen in person, if I'm being quite honest. Um, I will give him credit. I will give the Coyotes credit. That was a pretty good power play for them. And like I said, a great goal by Schmaltz, a great shot. And Yep, so the Coyotes finally said. getting on the board. That was Nick Schmaltz, 10th on the year, assisted by Golagoski and Garland. That was the last goal. Garland is yep, a Connor very, Garland very is underrated very underrated. Player. Anyway, that was the last goal of the second period here. We'll go to the third, where Dryden Hunt of the Coyotes did this. Play it along. Coyote 
Dodgers had a five-point lead heading into that game at Los Angeles the other night before having that third period meltdown, and Kessel will bring it across center. He brings it in. Bill Kessel trying to work it out high. Here's a look at a shot and a goal. Now, on this goal, it looked like Hunt cleanly beat Leonard and found a good angle to take the shot. Definitely. Kessel, Kessel threw it in front from along the boards. It kind of trickled in front right to Hunt's stick, and Dryden Hunt with a good shot beats Leonard upstairs. All-around good play by Hunt, knowing where to be, but besides that, there's not much the Golden Knights defenseman or Leonard could do about that. I hear Golden Knights fans blame Leonard for goals like that which is ridiculous because if Fleury wasn't net, he probably wouldn't stop that either. Just overall good play by the And sometimes you have bad puck luck. I remember Gerard Gallant used to say that a lot, but, you know, sometimes you have bad puck luck. That's my Gerard Gallant impression. But Gerard, uh, Gerard Gallant did used to say that a lot, and that's exactly what happened on that play. A little bit bad puck luck for the Knights. And Yoke get two very quick ones. And that was Hunt's third of the season, assisted by Kessel and Larson. Time of the goal, 2.42. Then a little bit later, just about a minute later, Clayton Keller would get the Coyotes within two goals. Mark Stone brings it in over the line. Falling down was Pacioretty. Moves it right in front. Martinez, his shot was blocked away the zone and here's a chance and Keller is in he scores it's a 5-3 game <laughs> what do we have here what an individual effort now on this goal similar to the Riley Smith shorthanded goal the play begins with a shot block in front by I believe Dvorak yeah if you uh, watch the playback I believe it was Martinez or maybe it was Theodore. I'm pretty sure it was Martinez who shot the puck. Uh, block shot by Dvorak leads to putting on Kessel's stick. Keller gets loose, moves on in, and beats Leonard upstairs on the breakaway. There's not much you can do. Um, but this is where, obviously, the nerves settle in. I mean, it was 5 to nothing, and now all of a sudden it's 5-3. to three. You know, they potted three very quick ones. I remember when we were at the game, we all kind of got a little nervous. Um, because, obviously, you know, you go from 5 to nothing coming into the period with a good mindset to all of a sudden 5-3. to three. And, um, you know, that was, that was pretty nerve-wracking. Yep, that was Keller's 12th of the year. The assist to Kessel and Dvorak. Time of the goal, 340 of the third. That made it 5-3 as Arizona made it a two-goal game. Then, just a little bit later into the period, Riley Smith gets his second of the game. And around for Keller. His shot deflected wide to the corner. And Petrangelo flips it out to center. Marcia show redirection to the skate to Carlson. Yes, Smith with him on the rush. Smith pulls up. Shot. Pretty good shot there by Riley Smith, not going to lie. Oh, yes, it was. Good play Um, out of the zone by, was that Carlson who assisted that goal? Yes, Carlson brought it across, and then he passed it back to Riley. 
and then he just decided to snipe the goalie. Good job slowing up by Smith, and a great shot. It uh, almost looked like Carlson tried to tip it there in front, a good screen in front, but uh, a great shot by Riley Smith. He's really proved himself the last season. I feel like he had a, a great year, and then this season – he he just he's proving himself over and over and over again that he's a solid top six addition. Yep, and that was Riley Smith's second of the game and his ninth of the year. The assists to William Carlson and Jonathan Marchessault. Time of the goal nine forty four. That made it six three for Vegas. However, the three goal lead would not last as literally fifteen seconds later, Michael Bunting would restore the two goal deficit. And Keller cut the Vegas lead to five to three. Smith doubles it up now for the Golden Knights. Playing along, back to the front. Bunting scores. Michael Bunting, and it's back to a two-goal game. Now, this goal probably could have been prevented if Theodore knew where the puck was, especially with it going in into his skates and behind him. Definitely. I think Bunting made a, a pretty solid play. Theodore just got the puck lost in his feet, walked in, a good move on Leonard, and um, looking back on it, he almost missed the net there. He um, he went wide. Leonard tried to dive back, and he, he shot it on the far side of the net. And... of the game really started to pick up because goats were down by three. Now, all of a sudden, you know, bunching scores this goal, they're down by two. So it was very back and forth. It was, you know, obviously the first... Yeah, this was a night, pretty even period. You know, up five to nothing. And then all of a sudden... The Coyotes outscored the yeah, Golden Knights and, you know, three to two in this period. Back. There were a total of one, two, three, four, five goals overall here. As that was Michael Bunting's fifth of the year, yeah. assisted by Kessel and Schmaltz. Time of the goal, 9.59. And then, in the final minute, Max Pacioretty with the empty net with this one. 6-4 Vegas. Golden Knights have gone over eight minutes without a shot on goal. But here's Stevenson looking, feeds it. Pacioretty open. That chance and he scores! Now, looking at this goal, even though it was just an empty netter, it was also set up by a turnover similar to another goal in this game. Yep, Max Pacioretty shoots it down the ice, and that pretty much seals the deal. That was a really, really good hockey game. Back and forth all over, all around. Pacioretty buries it, and it did get nerve-wracking towards the end, I will have to admit. It got nerve-wracking. Um, when it was five to three, all of a sudden it got nerve wracking. When it was six to four, all of a sudden, hockey's a very unpredictable sport. You know, you can lose it fast, and so that empty net goal was key for Patrick. I believe it was that his nineteenth of the season. Yes, that was his nineteenth. The team leading nineteenth. If he can a- get back to his old scoring pace earlier in the year, I'm pretty sure he could hit back to back thirty goal years which is very, 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 very good. I mean, Max Pacioretty is an elite sniper. He's proven that he's found his home in Vegas. 
and there's no doubt in my mind that he will probably finish the best season, the the season as the Golden Knights' best goal scorer. And it's very exciting to watch him play because, you know, he's got that IQ, he's got that shot, he's got that tenacity. He's all around very, very likable player. And, wow, 19 goals already in the season. That's that's really good. Yep. I guarantee you last year if he didn't have that injury and if the pandemic did not happen, he probably could have hit 40 last year. More than likely if you think about it. The assists on that goal were to Stevenson and Petrangelo, time of the goal, 1905. We're going to go looking into the post-game interviews, and after that we'll have some more news around the league as well as some trade discussions. So we're going to look right into these interviews, starting with the Riley Smith and Jonathan Marchessault interview. Hey, for Jonathan, on that first goal, you come flying in on the right wing on the power play. I'm curious, what what does movement add to the power play? Is that kind of what you guys want to do? Yeah, we're we're trying to get uh, a lot of speed coming from the top, and uh, Tio give it to Mir Patrick, and I think it opens up a lot of the of things if you show up with a little bit more speed and just being stagnant. So uh, we kind of knew they were gonna pressure high to Tio, and uh, me and Tassi talked about possibly doing a steam pass tonight. And uh, he was able to execute it, and I just had to put it in. This question tonight comes from David Shane from the Las Vegas Regional. Hi, Riley. I know your guys' start was an emphasis with Pete. He had talked about it, and I know you touched on it with you guys. Just how important was that tonight, and how nice was it to see you know, the start you guys got off to? It won the game for us. Um, you know, I think the first four or five shifts, we, you know, generated 10 to 15 shots and um, a couple goals, and I think that changed the game. Uh, you know, as the game went on, I think we took our uh, foot off the gas, but um, thankfully enough, we had such a good start that we were able to, to still pull it out because of what we were able to do in the first couple of shifts and be able to roll on from that. We'll go to Justin Emerson from the Las Vegas Sun. Hey, Jonathan, I maybe got lost a little bit in just kind of the craziness of the game, but getting that power play goal... Snapped, snapped, I think, an over 18 skid for you guys. Just how important was that to, to get on the board and uh, maybe get that, just kind of get it off the back? Yeah, well, our power play has not been necessarily a threat enough uh, to get our team back in the game or get the lead and uh, stuff like that. We, we've not been clicking, so it, we're de- we definitely tried a lot of things this year uh, so far, and I think it's that time of the year that we all have to be on the same page and be able to 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 connect and I mean we need to be a a force. I mean there's no excuse for that group to not have a a, success, a successful car play. So uh, so uh, no it's it was a it was a good first goal and uh, we can get a lot of confidence from that. Time for a couple more here with Riley Smith and Jonathan Marchesso. Next question comes from Steve Carp, Sinbin Da Vegas. Before the game, did you guys in early talk a little bit about the sense of urgency to uh, kind of pick up the pace offensively? Who's that button again here? Um, well, yeah, it was, uh, uh, yeah we, after the past few games, our start was not uh, 
uh, good enough, obviously, and we uh, emphasized that tonight, and we were really good, I think, in the first period. But uh, our second was okay, and the third was definitely how, not how a winning team is supposed to come out. We we got to be able to close out games uh, way easier than that, and uh, uh, we're definitely going to have to be aware of next game to play a full 60 minutes. Last question tonight comes from Ben Goats, Las Vegas Review Journal. Hey, Riley, it's been a while since you guys had scored a shorthanded goal. So I guess just how excited were you when you looked up and saw that you guys had a 2-0 there? Yeah, I was pretty excited. Uh, you know. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. Carl does uh, such a good job being able to jump in the play and jump in the rush and um, give ourselves opportunities like that. Um, you know, he, I think he's pretty close to going outside. Just that's how much speed he's able to generate and create opportunities like that. Um, like you said, we haven't had a lot lately. Um, I think the more aggressive we are on the penalty kill, um, puts teams under duress and then make mistakes. So when we're doing that and we're playing on our toes, I think we get a lot more opportunities. Alrighty, now, what were your takeaways from the Riley Smith and Jonathan Marcheseau interview? Um, I think that it it shows that, you know, this organization is very, you know, classy. I mean, Marcheseau kept it clean tonight, and they got the job done. I mean, Smith played out of his mind tonight. And... I think Marcheseau also had a good game. I mean, didn't he have three assists, two assists? What was it? Yeah, I think Jonathan Marcheseau did have a few assists as well as his power play goal. Another thing he brought up was the play a full 60 minutes, especially when they took their foot off the gas pedal a little bit in that third period when we got a little worried. Definitely. Um, You cannot... You, in hockey, you have to be relentless. It doesn't matter if you're up 10 to nothing, you know, if you're losing 10 to nothing. You have to be relentless. You have to try your best because leads in hockey don't mean a lot. The final score means a lot. Leads in hockey don't. Especially looking at, like, some playoff games the past few years. not going to talk about that. We're not going to talk about that one. But there was one a few <laughs> years ago, 2017 playoffs, the Ducks and Oilers game five. Oilers had a 3-0 lead, and the Ducks scored three straight six-on-five goals. That just comes to show you that your lead, no lead is safe until the game is over. All right, up next we have the interview with Coach Peter DeBoer. Hey, Pete. Was that the exact type of start that you were looking for tonight? Uh, it was, uh, you know, we, you know, we talked about it and, uh, you know, it had been an issue the last couple of games and I thought the guys fixed it and, you know, I thought we were great and, you know, traveling back two time zones from St. Louis and, and the schedule we've had recently, uh, you never know what the first period is going to look like and how the, the group's going to, um, how their legs are going to be. And I thought we were, we were great early and, uh, that was the game really. Next question for Pete tonight goes to Jesse Granger, the athletic. Jesse. Hey, Pete. The first goal of the game comes on the power play, and it was kind of a result of Marshall so going through that right circle with speed. Can you talk about 
the type of stress or different pressure that puts on the PK unit when you can get movement like that? Uh, yeah, I think when our power play uh, is struggling, the word stagnant, uh, you know, we, we use a lot. And, uh, you know, so you want motion, you want quick puck movement, you want guys uh, working downhill towards the net. You know, I think we got a, we got a lot of that tonight uh, on that first one for sure. Next question comes from Ken Bolke with Sinbin.Vegas. Ken? I've heard in the past you've said kind of once the score gets out of hand, you can't really take much out of the game. I'm wondering how much it bothered you that that game kind of got interesting as it went along, or does it not really matter? Um, well, it always matters to the coach, you know. You're, you're, just, you're disappointed because you, you don't walk out with the feeling that you should. You know, you should walk out tonight feeling great about that game. We did a lot of really good things, but you don't because of, of the way the uh, – the third period went so um you know but but the teams we're playing have a lot of pride too that, that's a, that's a very good club over there they've won a lot of games lately so we should have we should have known they were gonna keep pushing to the end and you know we uh we made some mistakes that, that you know we can't make uh, obviously and we got away with it uh, what were your takeaways on what coach DeBoer said in this interview Well, he made a lot of interesting points. I think um, one of my favorite takeaways from that interview was what uh, Sinman Vegas asked him about how is this more of like a happy victory or like a, a, a scary victory? You know, like, should we be scared because, you know, we almost blew a five nothing lead or should we be happy because we ended up winning seven to four? And, you know, DeBoer said that, well, you know, like happy but you gotta you gotta take some notes you know there's some red flags it's not gonna make a coach happy you know when you go from five to nothing to five to three so suddenly and you know the defensive sustainability was not really there tonight um guys got their guard down and you can't do that in the nhl so i think that was a pretty good press conference from uh coach pete and um i i'm really happy with everything that happened today. It was a really good game. It was a really good, you know, outtake and there's not much to complain about. Very true. More on that third period. Normally the Golden Knights are one of the best third period teams in the league. They usually outscore their opponents. This is about probably one of the worst third periods I've seen out of them all year being outscored three to two in this third period. Oh yeah, definitely. You can, you could definitely see it in the third period. It was weird because for the first two periods, it seemed like the Knights dominated possession and control, especially right off the bat in the first period. That's why they scored three goals within the first what was it, five minutes, ten minutes? It was insane. And you know, all of a sudden, you know, the first two periods, Knights are controlling cruise control, and then all of a sudden, the third period comes along, and the Yotes get a few ones back, and all of a sudden, very it's a new true. Game. Up next, we have the. Keegan Colasar and Nicholas Waugh interview. The emphasis for you guys going to say, just how happy were you with your first 10 minutes? Yeah, I thought uh, it was part of the plan. We wanted to go to go out there, put some pressure on them, uh, have some ozone time, and uh, uh, bring some energy. And I thought uh, we had a fantastic first, uh, first 10 minutes. 
we'll hold for a few more questions to come through for Key and, and Nick. Next, we'll go to Jesse Granger from The Athletic. For Keegan, we talk a lot about how kind of power play success or failures can impact the momentum at five on five. Uh, them getting that power play goal early, do you think it kind of gave the guys a boost? Yeah, for sure. Power play is huge. Um, and uh, ours has been struggling for a little bit now, so to see them get it going for us is huge. Um, and it's what we needed at the start of the game really to come out and uh, firing. Next question tonight goes to Justin Emerson, Las Vegas on. And Nick, I guess I, I just, sorry, I'm curious kind of what the overall feeling uh, coming out of a game like that is. You guys obviously went up 5 nothing, but then they kind of made a push a little bit to make it uh, interesting in the third period. So I guess, how are you guys feel coming off the ice after a game like that? I guess we knew, uh, we knew they were going to they were gonna have a push there at some point. So I think we just got to play our game. We got to uh, come back to uh, the little things, little, uh, little plays and uh uh, bring the energy back. We, like I said, we, we knew for sure they were going to bring uh, a little push there, and uh, uh, it's to ourselves to uh, find a way to uh, um, to close the the play there. We'll return to Ben Goats, Las Vegas Review Journal. Hi, Keegan. Can you take us through your goal a little bit? Uh, once you got that puck, did you know that you had a little bit of time to set up that shot? Yeah. Strip the D man, there's usually no one else behind him but the goalie. So, um, thought I had lots of time, um, just wanted to shoot my shot, and uh, luckily enough, I went into it. What were your outtakes of the Colasar and Wah interview there? I thought Wah made a good point, uh, at the beginning saying how you know they had a really good first 10 minutes. If I'm being quite honest, I personally believe that was the best first like the best start to a Golden Knights game in franchise history. I mean, you know, coming right out of the gate, the Golden Knights pounded the Coyotes shot after shot. And, you know, it eventually led to good things because, you know, four to nothing, 10 minutes in. So, yeah, awesome, awesome, awesome start. Um, you know, Colasar talking about how he had the space and time to score the goal after the takeaway from Labushkin. Um, pretty good interviews. Good guys. Yeah. Yeah. More on Colasar. He also brought up how the power play generated a little more momentum to make the stop start much better than better and how the start was great for the Golden Knights. Another thing more. Yes, this was probably one of the greatest starts to a regular season game in Golden Knights history. There's been several playoff games or like it's been like four nothing before or after one period of play or like like that round two game one against the Sharks in 2018. They were off to a really great start in that game as well. Probably the best start to a playoff game. Definitely. And Colasar did make a good point about the, the power play. In order to be a successful hockey team, you got to have a good power play. You got to capitalize on those man advantages. You gotta, you know, you gotta take advantage of the space that you gained, and you gotta go out and seize it. And the Golden Knights power play has been struggling as of late, but I think this game really kind of turned that around. You know, I think every, every, you know, struggle that you have in hockey, you just need to, you just need to turn around and you need to turn the page. And for the Golden Knights power play, I think uh, today was kind of a, a revival of a decent to pretty good power play. Yep, and 
We have our final interview coming up. Then we'll have some more news around the league as well as some trade rumor discussion stuff here. The last interview, Robin Leonard. Uh, you guys obviously got off to a, a really strong start this game. How I guess, much of an emphasis was that for you guys after uh, what happened in St. Louis? Uh, yeah, I mean, we talked about it, but uh, I mean, we were usually a pretty strong, strong starting team. Um, you know, I think every team in the, in the league kind of go through stretch sometimes when there, there are some issues, but I think we did a really good job bouncing back in the first six. Minor for me, you can raise your hand below. We'll hold for a few more questions to come through for Robin. Next question tonight goes to Justin Emerson, the Las Vegas Sun. Hey Robin, I guess kind of what's just the overall takeaway from the game? You guys obviously had a great start and then gave up a couple of goals there in the third period. So I guess just what's the mood after a game like that? That's great. I mean, two points, a big win. I think. Uh, Again, you know, you know, we have a few things to clean up, and uh, all in all, I think it was a pretty good game. Um, yeah, we, we obviously don't want to let in those goals in the third, but uh, you know, every time you can get a win now in the stretch before the playoffs, uh, you can get away with it with a couple of sticks, you know, it's learning, learning experience, and just got to get better at it. Last question comes from David Shane, Las Vegas Review Journal. Hey Robin, kind of along with the start, when they score that many, are you early and just throughout the game, how much easier does that make your job? Uh, no, obviously it's, uh, it's nice to see the guys uh, score. Um, you know, does it change for the goalie? Yeah, a little bit for sure, but... Uh, you know, there were long periods of time. We didn't have, I didn't have much to do, and I still think they got some good opportunities. Um, and, um, yeah, no, but uh, you just got to stay focused. And anytime the guys force to uh, play a game like that, you know, you, you just want to do everything you can to get the win. So what were your takeaways, Ben, from – what Robin Leonard said in his press conference. Yeah. One of my favorite takeaways from what he said was that um, all teams go on hot and cold streaks. All teams go on streaks. Obviously the Knights had a little bit of a losing streak, maybe like a rough couple weeks. Um, But hockey, what makes hockey such a special sport in, in general is because it's so wildly unpredictable. It's so wildly unpredictable. And teams will go on the coldest streaks. Teams will go on the hottest streaks. I mean, look at the St. Louis Blues. Before they played the Knights last, they lost seven in a row. Like, they were about to lose eight in a row, and then they beat the Knights. And then today, we'll get to this probably, but they beat Minnesota 9-1. to one, Oh, boy, yep. Which is which is ridiculous. Like, that that is, that is ridiculous. So, you know, the Silver Knights – uh, AHL, you know, the Gold Knights AHL affiliate, the Silver Knights. Their record to start the season was like 12 and 2, I think. I, I can't remember. 
I'm pretty sure they've lost three in a row now, if if I remember correctly. So that was one of my favorite points that Leonard made because that's that's hockey in general. You know, hockey is is such yeah, and better sport. having the downward slump now than closer to playoff time, for sure. Very true, especially because we've secured a spot. Did we clinch a playoff berth with this win? No, but if you think about here, it, we'll take a look are, at the standings you know, here. I, I so, Colorado has a four-point cushion with their two-nothing win over Anaheim. Yep, Colorado has been on. Meanwhile, five. Vegas has four points ahead of Minnesota as they lost nine to one to St. Louis. St. Louis one point out. Of the playoffs with the Coyotes lost, they remain at 43. That's one point behind ahead of St. Louis for that fourth spot, the final playoff spot for the Honda West. Meanwhile, here, San Jose is two points behind St. Louis and three points behind Arizona. So that fourth wildcard spot, a very close race for that one. Same with Nashville. Nashville has been very, very hot as of late. You think their window completely shut, you know. The chances of them winning a cup at the beginning of the year, you know, they got off to a terrible start. It was looking like they were a joke. And now all of a sudden, they're in the playoffs, correct? Are they in the yeah. fourth seed? They, they're they outplaying the Blackhawks currently. So, yeah, there's, there's something to take note of there. There have been a lot of surprises mm-hmm. and disappointments this season, you know. Um, the biggest disappointment yeah. for me has well, been dealt with. They've de- dealt with injuries all yeah. year, though. So next year could be very different. They've dealt with. They've dealt with injuries. They've they had dealt a, with they had COVID. the very first it's... big COVID outbreak before the season started. Speaking of COVID, the Vancouver Canucks entire <laughs> they're team expected to finish their fifty-six game COVID. schedule still. Anyway, we've got some trades. Which is surprising because I don't think they've played in. The trade deadline's in a few days. This Monday, we're going to talk about the Riley-Nash trade here real quick as the Maple Leafs acquiring from the Blue Jackets. Here's the details. The Leafs receive Riley-Nash, while the Blue Jackets receive a conditional seventh-round pick. Now, this article I'm looking at, I do not see what the condition is. Okay, here we are. found the condition. The condition says here it will become a sixth-round pick if Nash plays 25% of Toronto's playoff games this season. So he can literally play one game in a four-game sweep if they've somehow, like, collapsed in the playoffs, and that becomes a sixth-round pick. So all he really has to do is Yeah, pretty much one game. One game. And it becomes a sixth-round pick for Columbus. What is Riley Nash's cap it? Do you know I, that? Because I'm curious, was this a cap dump um, trade? Because it's only a seventh I, round conditional pick for next year's draft. I I don't remember his cap hit, but I I believe UFA. It's a so the rental the there for the Maple Leafs. Add more depth to that bottom six. They probably, they probably well. Here's here's the deal. Here's the deal. Riley Nash is out for he's still injured four to six weeks. Yes, uh, so I don't know if this is a, a cap dump 
for the the Blue Jackets, and I don't know why Kyle Dubas would accept that for the Maple Leafs. Or maybe it's just to get yeah. some more veterans in the locker room. Another trade today. Blue. Why the Maple Leafs? We have the Nemeth trade to the Avalanche between the Red Wings and Nemeth here. Patrick Nemeth acquired by the Avalanche as Detroit receives a fourth-round selection for this in the 2022 draft. 29 years old. He already played for the Avalanche for a little bit, but now he's coming back to the Avs. wonder if this is a like trade here by the Avs to add more depth on their blue line, it looks like. Certainly, 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 certainly. They want that veteranosity. Though he is 29, he has been playing in the league for a long time. He brings probably a calming sense to guys mm-hmm. like Makar, who are still young in the league. Um, and I think that's good. I think this trade works both ways. Get more the draft capital. Are... Exactly. You know, that's the only way you're going to get better. You need draft picks. Steve Eiserman understands that in order to build this team from the bottom up, especially now because mm-hmm. Bobby Ryan's out for the, year. the rest of the season. Yeah, which is really unfortunate. But, you know, you you want to... You want to rebuild your team the right way. Do it like how Steve Eisenman is doing it. I trust Eisenman. The Red Wings will be good in five to ten years. Right now, it's get draft yep. picks. You know, draft high-quality players. Develop them properly and see. Aaron, to finish this up, we'll talk about Connor Garland and his future at the Coyotes, a potential trade. What do you think the Coyotes will be asking for if – there is a offer made for Garland. Well, I will start off by saying that Connor Garland is one of the most underrated players in the NHL. I mean, you watch this guy play, man. He is unbelievable. He's got some of the best hands I've ever seen. He's very silk. It, like It's almost like watching silk like run through your fingers when he, when he has the puck. It's a weird comparison, but like it's so just suave how he skates and how he plays. It's very satisfying, and I believe that his talents are clearly being wasted in the trash land known as Arizona. Um, so there have been rumors about him coming to Vegas. There have been rumors about him going to Boston. There have been rumors about him going to, I think the other one was Florida, but I can't be sure. Um, the Coyotes, in my mind, would be asking for a pretty steep price. I mean, on the postgame show, I actually called up the postgame show, the Golden Knights postgame show, on the radio, and I talked to them. I said, you know, well, what happens if we go out and try and get Connor Garland? And they said, I don't think we could probably get Garland because the Coyotes would be asking for way too much. They probably don't want to give Garland up. I don't know if Garland wants to resign. He's an RFA. Remember, he's on. Yeah, he's on an ELC right now, actually, which is pretty surprising because he's he's. It seems like he's been in the league for a long time. He's only been in the league a couple of years. But um, he is an RFA after the season, so I don't know if he'll want to resign with Arizona. It kind of just depends. Yeah, up, it's, it's that's kind of up to him. And so if I'm, you know, if I'm Kelly McCrimmon, if I'm Don Sweeney, isn't that the GM of the Bruins? Don Sweeney, pretty sure that's his name. You know, I'm, I'm probably gonna have to sacrifice a lot of draft capital and probably a prospect. Um, I remember I told Corbin earlier today, um, I said, dude, cause we were watching warmups at the night's game. I said, dude, look at all those guys out there. 
and just appreciate them for a second. Just appreciate all of the guys wearing uh, a Golden Knight sweater tonight. Because in one week, I guarantee at least one of them will be gone. And I don't know who it is. You know, I remember during the game, you told me about trading Wah or something. I don't know. Wah and a second for Garland. That's what I'd give up. Or Wah and a first for Garland. Because Garland is very underrated. And I think once he goes to a real team like Vegas and gets on a line with like guys like Tuck, then, you know, I think he could become a a very, very, very highly touted player. Um, if he goes to Boston, then that makes no sense to me, given the fact that Boston's had a slightly rough year. I think that Boston should start to sell. I mean, their guys are old. They they have a lot of contracts expiring. They might as well just, you know, they, they could keep pushing for now, but inevitably in two years, you know, I think in two years, Boston's going to be one of the worst teams in the league. That's just how it works. You know, you have a dynasty and then it fades. So, I don't know why Boston's still trying to buy, buy, buy when they should be, you know, conservatively selling. Um, so Garland of Boston doesn't really make sense to me. Garland of Vegas, I think, would be a perfect, perfect fit. I don't know if the Coyotes are willing to do it. I don't know if Kelly McCrimmon's willing to give up a first-round draft pick for it. But uh, I'm open to anything happening because he would definitely solve a lot of bottom six woes. Because in order to make it far in the playoffs, you need all four lines rolling, all four lines rolling. And though we do have some pretty solid depth, I can't really see all four of our lines winning, you know, 16 playoff games while not losing four at a time. And if we get Garland, then we get that extra depth. We get an underrated player who can potentially break out into the superstar. And I think that if Kelly McCrimmon is willing to pull the trigger, then I'm sure the Coyotes' uh, ears are listening. Corwin? Alrighty, now Connor Garland's a center, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, Isn't he a center or is he a winger? He's a winger, but he can play center. So he's one of those center slash wingers. So he could be good as a center or a winger. If, if I'm pretty sure, yeah. All right, well, thanks for coming on the show for yeah, this of course. edition, Ben. Dude, this was fun. Uh, I'll be on here anytime if you want me. All righty, everybody. That is it for this one. If you enjoyed it, be sure to download it and tell all your friends. Connor Garland, he's underrated. He very much is underrated. Thanks for having me on, dude.